I'm Riker, and this is Pilot. Ding, ding, ding. You're watching The Office on NBC. That's not true. You're listening to Pilots as we review The Office, which originally aired for nine seasons on NBC. Nine seasons? We don't research our trivia before we start the show. Which is why we really don't do trivia. <laughs> <laughs> I seem to recall it was nine seasons. Because uh, there were seven that. Michael Scott seasons, uh, the one where Andy Menard takes over, and then the final season, which it wrapped up in 2013. I can confirm nine seasons started in 2005. And plus nine. All right. Well, I don't want to commit myself to that. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) I don't know why you're laying down trivia that you haven't (laughs) fact-checked. Well, at least I'm disclosing up front. (laughs) You have every reason to doubt that any trivia is accurate on this show. (laughs) (laughs) That's a good disclaimer. Maybe we should lead with that. Yeah. This is an opinion show. Uh, <laughs> and in our opinions about the facts. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, The Office is one of those classic, classic great sitcoms, I would say. It's one of those top, you know, all-time sitcoms. Yeah, absolutely. And uh, we're just now getting to it, which is always bizarre to rewatch the pilot because it's really, it's one of those pilots that's super not emblematic of the, rest of, of the, the rest of the show. I mean, it had elements, don't get me wrong. But the Michael Scott you get especially is not the Michael Scott you get in even later episodes, but definitely later seasons. They really flesh him out a bit better, yeah. um, starting season two especially. Well, plus he's bald and chubby. And then you yeah. show up in season two and you get the Michael Scott. He grows a Riker's beard in season two. <laughs> and then you get the Michael Scott that you get for the rest of the show. Do you know why? He had to lose a bunch of weight for 40-year-old Virgin, which he did right before season two. As much as I know any trivia, to be certain, I actually did know that. <laughs> yeah, it was kind of <laughs> Because cool. he was, he was I don't want to say he was nobody. He was a working actor, a comedian. He was on The Daily Show uh, with Jon Stewart before that as a correspondent. Like, people probably in the business knew him. And then all of a sudden, in 2005... He was like the man of the hour. He was oh, yeah. everywhere. 40-Year-Old Virgin, uh, The Office, and then like three movies a year constantly after that. Oh, always yeah. on The Office. That must have been a fascinating, thrilling, impossibly busy time for him. Oh, I would imagine so, yeah. Because he's all over The Office, too, so I don't know how they had the time. Yeah, I tell you all the time that I listen to The Office Ladies podcast, and tell it sounds more. like there was oftentimes he had to fly out on the weekends Um to go, you know, shoot a movie. Um, he would try to get as much shooting as he could in just like a couple of days and then fly over and do his movie. So there was like Bruce Almighty and Evan Almighty just within season two. Um, I believe he filmed both around those times. Uh, I think Evan Almighty came a couple of years later, didn't it? I don't know. I know that they were talking about him doing Evan Almighty in season two. I had assumed Bruce Almighty had been somewhere between 40-year-old Virgin and Evan Almighty. So okay. Don't, you know, don't fact check me. <laughs> well, no, it, it was. Wrong. So Evan Almighty followed Bruce Almighty, and I think 40-Year-Old Virgin was first. Yep. Because, so you know, 40... within two seasons. Oh, I see what you three movies. Um, so maybe, all right, uh, fair enough. <laughs> I do remember reading that they would work around his schedule. Yeah. I think that's when he was leaving the show, and, of course, that was big entertainment news, mm-hmm. uh, that for years they had worked around his film schedule. Um 
anyway, really kind of fascinating because it's it's like he accomplished more than one human being should be able to accomplish oh, yeah. in that period of time. And his wife, who is in the office with him occasionally as his yeah. lawyer. A uh, real estate agent. Actually. Oh, yeah, you're right. You should know this <laughs> as our fellow real estate agent, our resident real estate agent and broker. <laughs> um, fair enough. Uh, you're right. She, uh, you know, they, she shows, uh, I don't know, I've read a lot about, not, I don't know if I should ever say I've read a lot about anything, <laughs> yeah. but I've read about um, him, you know, before getting famous and mm-hmm. and uh, and he never, because fame came late for him. I yeah. think I've heard him say this or read about him saying this, that fame came late. He already had kids. He had other responsibilities. So stardom just didn't have a major effect on him. Um, but still, you know, I'd... Love to have him on the show next week because I know he's a avid listener, um, <laughs> and uh, talk about that experience, which I'm sure he's talked a lot about already. Oh yeah, absolutely. <laughs> so before we uh, proceed and really get into it, you've been talking to me a lot about the um, Office podcast with the, Angela, the Office Ladies podcast with Jenna Fisher and Angela Kinsey. Oh, that's the title of it, the Office mm-hmm. Ladies the podcast. Office Ladies podcast. Oh, okay. Yes. <laughs> Any other than to plug it, which we just did, Yeah. anything more that we should address on that? Um, I would definitely go to it for any of your, they tell you what's improvised, they tell you what's, you know, what's going on with the cast, what went into filming a scene, which I never thought I'd be that interested in, and I, I find it riveting, absolutely mm-hmm. riveting. Um, so now I know like the props person's name, I know, <laughs> I knew what goes into making the props, which take they ended up doing. Uh, it's really fun. I'm obsessed with it. Absolutely. What's, what's the prop guy's name? Bill Shea. Oh, I'd have guessed Jerry. <laughs> Bill's yeah, a good guy. it's always fun because they'll get people writing in saying like, "Oh, how many takes did this take?" And you know, I don't know if you remember. There's an episode where Dwight has they call it like a sphere, like a fitness sphere, but it's you know like a an aerobic ball that you sit on mm-hmm. as a chair. Right. Um, and there are, I guess they bought 13 of them, and Jim was supposed to, you know, pop it, and it's supposed to pop slow. And only if you hit it, like, on this one specific seam, which is, like, impossible to do, <laughs> will it pop fast. And they had one left, and they knew they already had the take that they wanted, but they're like, sure, we have one more ball, pop it. And he does it, and he hits the seam. And so it's the one they actually ended up using because he just drops to the floor. And apparently you can hear people go, oh, shit, and, like, in the background. <laughs> Fun. And Dwight being a committed comedy whore. Oh, um, yeah, absolutely. Rain Wilson. Rain Wilson, I was going to say, I'm blanking on his name right now. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, being a committed comedy whore that he is, I'm sure said, no, do it, do it. <laughs> yeah. Well, and it's fun just hearing their personalities. For example, Rain Wilson, really into props. So if you give him any prop, mm. he starts improvising with it like crazy. Like he's nuts with it. And then apparently he really likes showing his pale white stomach. So he flashes people as often as he can. <laughs> Which, after hearing that, I started watching, you know, more of The Office, and I'm like, oh my god, he does. He really breaks it out whenever he can. Uh, retrospectively, I think I can, I think I could say I've probably seen more Rain Wilson's skin yeah. than maybe I, you know, would have would have <laughs> ever sought to. I'm not complaining. <laughs> yeah. Just saying, I don't know that that would have ever been a goal of mine to see as <laughs> much of his butt as I've seen. Yeah. All right, so this one, I think, is interesting Mm -hmm. because it's aged well, I think. I think it's aged quite well. Definitely. You know, they've made several, of course, this is from the 
the UK version of The Office with Ricky Gervais. Ricky Gervais. <laughs> you gave me a look. Uh, I was reaching. Uh, <laughs> yeah, with, with Ricky. Mm-hmm. Uh, which is funny to have watched that one. It's the same show, only I can't understand what anybody's saying. Uh, and, <laughs> and you watch this one, and it's, you know, really is a direct repeat. They have several, like, m- quite a few different countries have their version of The Office. I, I don't have a count on it. I've seen yeah. it on YouTube. It's like The Office from another dimension. And yeah. it's all the same in the beginning, where mm-hmm. it really closely follows the UK version. Yeah, I think this pilot actually is almost exactly, exactly like the UK the one. But that is the only episode they do that with. After that, they completely go their own way with right. it. Right. And uh, in the American version, I feel, uh, you know, among the, you know, that's the one that stands out as to me, at least. Um, but I don't think, you know, uh, television in other countries being what it is, what it is, isn't quite like television in the United States. I don't think any of them ran for nine years. No, and had quite even the, cultural the UK impact. one didn't. Honestly, I think that one only went for one, maybe two seasons. I was thinking two, but yeah, there definitely we go no with more that trivia three. again. Yeah, <laughs> and I know the UK shows are they're pretty spotty in in terms of their they're consistency, mm-hmm. and they keep them pretty short, and then the actors move on. Like I think actors in the UK, they're you know it's equally respectable to be a film star as it is a TV star professional actor told me this once but okay. I, so i'm gonna assume it's true yeah <laughs> um all right that being said uh this one's an interesting one because i think it's aged well mm-hmm. uh i think it was ahead of its time oh it absolutely was i did not uh, i hated it when me it too first came i on. hated it so much it came out so we were in high school when it uh-huh. came out dating us a little bit um but I remember watching it and feeling like the humor was just too dry and it felt like it needed like a laugh track, yes. <laughs> which looking back, I'm like, I'm glad they didn't because God, I hate laugh tracks. I don't need something to tell me when I'm funny mm-hmm. or when it's funny. You know, Chuck Lorre puts it in way too much of his stuff. Like every few lines in Big Bang Theory is laugh track, laugh track. <laughs> and I'm just like, do I need to be told that that's funny? Is that what's going on here? <laughs> but it just, it was cringe comedy. It was, yeah. you know, getting into our first section category uh the genre it had a bit of a cringe humor to it it was really uncomfortable it made me actually squirm in my seat multiple times uh especially and i would say especially now Mm -hmm. when michael scott gets racist (laughs) like i you know maybe in a way that i didn't 10 years ago and i wasn't watching the show 10 years ago but yeah but i well i guess maybe i was now (laughs) man we got old um yeah. <laughs> so it when happened. it was on in high school, mm-hmm. all the high school kids loved it. I always thought high school kids were morons who oh, yeah. liked dumb shit. So Absolutely. I refused to even look at it. I thought, well, if you like it, it must be dumb. And I would come across it now and then. And I remember a scene, could have been season three, four, five, I don't know. Well, I guess it would have been probably season one, two-ish because uh, we were in high school still. But yeah. Kelly Kapoor, looking back, I think, and... and uh, uh, Jenna Fisher, Pam, uh, and Jim probably were talking. And I remember thinking, what is this and why do people like it so much? There's no laugh track. There's no background music. It's totally deadpan. So the genre, the way I described it was an observational comedy, like an observational documentary. Yeah. Because they A shoot mockumentary it. is yeah. what they call it. Yeah. Oh, great. So they shoot it documentary style. Mm-hmm. And I, I don't want to say that, that that's the first of its kind. Yeah. Because there could be others that I'm not aware of that preceded it. But it was certainly the first of its kind to become 
super mainstream. Oh, absolutely. And the one thing that I would bring up that I think you can't look at The Office in a vacuum without bringing up one show that was even more ahead of its time that I think influenced The Office in many ways, or at least had something in its DNA, you know, in that time, which was Arrested Development. Okay. Yeah. yeah. There's something about that one too, with just because it was all sitcoms back then, mm-hmm. and now sitcoms were becoming something other than um, the group of twenty somethings. Yeah. With the <laughs> uh, with the laugh track, or because yeah. sitcoms were always families or they were friends. So it's mm-hmm. an occupational comedy, mockumentary style, mm-hmm. um, and it really stood out on its own before you know Parks and Recreations had a. a similar thing i would say the same genre um modern family they they had an interview style thing going on none of them were so committed to the documentary aspect as the office um but i think because it was so ahead of its time that's why it's aged so much better yeah definitely one piece Mm mm-hmm so the pilot, oh my goodness, though. Everyone's so young in it. It's so weird, <laughs> it was right? so weird. Pam was just so soft-spoken. And mm-hmm. don't get me wrong, she's usually, like, relatively soft-spoken, but she was just, like, such a child in this. She's it a was girl. So wild. Yes. Yeah, we've mo- I feel like I've mostly known her as a woman. Yeah, and she was definitely absolutely. a girl at this time. Jim was definitely a boy. That was super weird. Yeah. Hearing- and he's become really a fine filmmaker. Oh, he's yeah. a r- really impressive producer. He's got a big career that he's just kind of does what he wants now he's kind of a tour in his in his uh where he's at in the industry now yeah absolutely i've been meaning to watch i think it's jack ryan or something like that i really have been wanting to watch it just because he's in it and he's Mm -hmm. just such an excellent performer he's the guy for it too i mean it's the and I, i wasn't huge on the on the jack ryan books because I'm more TV than books. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you finishing a book sounds uh, unlikely. <laughs> uh, unlikely, and also it's a very emotional experience. There's a lot of head thrashing and self-hate that goes into it. Yeah, sure. Because uh, it's optional, and it's a hobby, and it's not a hobby that I have. So, <laughs> so <laughs> uh, but to have read some of the Tom Clancy books... Mm-hmm. Um, the way Jack Ryan's written on the page versus the way I think he's been seen in some of the movies, um, he was the perfect guy for it, uh, Jim. Yeah, why do Jim you say that? Parsons, what's his name? <laughs> uh, it's Jim Halpert, but the actor is John Krasinski. John Krasinski, who's Jim? Who's Parsons? I don't know some other famous guy. Now I'm gonna oh. sound stupid. Yeah, I don't know. I I, I gave though. Oh, like I knew, and I'm like. Ugh. Yeah, I can't place it. I'd look it up. I try to not keep my cell phone on me when we record because then I'll do like over-the-shoulder glances. <laughs> I'm going to feel foolish when it comes up. Me Jim too. Par- oh, duh. Oh, Big, Big Bang, Bang Theory. <laughs> oh, okay. Glad we fixed that. That would have been an embarrassing one. I just oh, yeah. Thinking. Absolutely. Um, so I, anyway, to get us back on track, I would say that the uh, genre is very clear mm-hmm. in this uh, pilot. Yeah, for as odd as it would have been at the time, and I guess I look at it two different ways. The success of the pilot today mm-hmm. and the success of the pilot 15 years ago. Okay. Um, I don't know that, that that genre would have maybe baffled me 15 years ago to have watched the pilot, which I didn't at the time. I, for a fact, was baffled by at least the concept of it. I don't know that I saw the pilot. I probably came in on a random episode. I did too. Um, you know, being that it was broadcast TV and you never get to pick that sort of thing. Mm-hmm. Um, 
yeah. I, I couldn't speak to how I, I took it during the time, but I definitely would not have taken it well. I did not take the series as a whole very well at all. And that's funny because it's one that I would easily rewatch. Like, if it is available to me on streaming, I only mean to watch, like, an episode. But it's one of those, <laughs> it just keeps rolling. Like, I just, I don't hit that stop button. <laughs> yeah, and it's, oh, I remember that. I remember that. Mm-hmm. So when I watched it finally was in college, and I mm-hmm. left college for a couple of years and uh, went to... Hollywood, and I worked with people in background work who had worked on The Office, uh, and it was always a really cool experience when they talked about it, um, like like such a cool ex- working experience that I was always jealous of people that worked on The Office because it never come up. I never did that, and they didn't use a lot of extras in the show. They really didn't. They were the extras. Most the of show. the extras in the show were writers. Right. Like honestly, that's I mean, B.J. Novak, who is Ryan, is a writer, like one of the writers. Mm-hmm. Mindy Kaling, um, which is. Uh, Kelly Kapoor, writer, um, and then Toby Stevens, is that his name? I don't know. Is Toby a writer? Toby's a writer. I always wondered why I've never seen him in anything ever. Everyone in the annex was a writer. That's why they put him there, so that way they didn't have to be in the background of all the shots. Something I learned in the and Office they could Ladies work podcast. Still. So they're back there Absolutely. working? Absolutely, yeah. That's so, that's brilliant. Yep. They're thinkers. Yeah, it's really cool. Um, so they have, you know, their... Their writers did a little bit of acting, and then their actors were allowed to be kind of involved in a little bit of the writing. The writers would come to them and say, hey, we kind of had this idea. Like, the gal who plays Pam, Jenna Fisher, actually created, like, a character book. Like, a little... Uh She decided on the background of all of her character, you know, like, just had it fleshed out why she hadn't been married yet. Like, why the engagement was so long. She just kind of made up her own reasons, and any time the writers kind of got stuck, they would talk to her well what do you think she's like well actually i think that you know based on the history i've written for my character you know and would just fill in that way so it's really cool it's a very it would have been collaborative because they were always working together they were all friends and if everybody was cool and i think if history had shown us every anything it's this was a cool cast and if it wasn't i'm sure they would have gotten rid of them oh yeah you know it was too intimate oh yeah way too intimate right so uh when the office went it was probably in its last season when I got into it because I was watching. I was watching it now as it was going de- going off the air. Yeah. Uh, of course, of course, it was huge news that it was going off the air. Yeah. Uh, just entertainment news. You know, it was huge news when Steve Carell left. Huge news when it was going off the air. Uh, and I didn't have Netflix, but I went and visited California again. I left California and came back home and w- was in college, and I went back to visit and. In one Christmas, I went back to visit, and I kind of didn't know why I went because I didn't want to do anything. I didn't want to do any of the California stuff that was going to bug me, like wait in traffic or have to park far away from wherever I was going. <laughs> so I didn't want to do anything. Yeah. So my cousin Tyler and I spent the entire week that I was in California watching The Secret Circle, which was this terrible CW witchcraft show about teen witches, which that I you love. love. <laughs> yeah. On uh, Netflix, and I thought, okay, well, you know, maybe Netflix has a place because I had always said I'm never going to need Netflix. What a stupid idea Netflix is! I don't want to watch a show on my computer. Uh, and uh, that's and, and then I was talking to my friend Ashton at college, and she said, "Oh yeah, you need to borrow my Netflix account, and you need to catch up on The Walking Dead." So she sent me her password. Didn't give me an option, just sent it to me and kind of made me do it. No option, yep. Yeah, I got on there. I mean, she you know, she didn't really ask. It was, here's the password, use it. Definitely yeah. please use it. Absolutely. That's before I think we realized that Netflix was going to get savvy to the fact that, you know, 
people were cheating. <laughs> I mean, you can have, so I have mine set up so that you can do four screens at once, which is why I can't cancel it because now I have all of my family members, like each household gets one screen each. Mm-hmm. And if somebody's using an extra one, I, t- <laughs> I send out a blast. Guys, you get one screen per house. You can't do a different one than your kiddos and watch at the same time. Not allowed. Before those those conventions were developed, I think she got kicked off her Netflix one time too many. Well, that's why I finally had to get my own. Oh, yeah. So anyway, I got on there. I thought, well, I finally caught up and finished The Secret Circle mm-hmm. in season two because there was only two seasons. Heartbreaking. And, yeah. uh, and then thought, well, I was wrong about Netflix. Maybe I was wrong about The Office. And somewhere in there was also Breaking Bad. I thought, I don't know, maybe I was wrong about Breaking Bad. Turns out. You're uh, wrong I'm full a lot of shit. <laughs> yeah, I'm wrong way more often than I think I am. And uh, and I started watching The Office, and I got so into The Office that by the end of The Office, I would take office breaks to study. It started out with I'm going to take study breaks to watch The Office, but by the end, it was like, well, I've been watching this show for three hours. I should probably do a little <laughs> bit of studying for a half hour. So yeah. So now I love it as much as anybody else. And I got to say, I was disappointed. And obviously, you can't rewrite history. It goes the way it goes because mm-hmm. I didn't appreciate it in high school. But uh, I was kind of disappointed that I didn't share in sort of the national experience of having these characters in my life for 10 years. Yeah. Like I've always been kind of jealous of the people who've had these characters, who've known these guys for 10 years because, because you just like them all so much and you want to be a part of the world so much. Yeah. Having, you know, been exposed to it and fallen in love with it and fallen in love with Jim and Pam just like everybody else. Pim and Jam. Pim and Jam. <laughs> All right. That being said, I would give the genre a pass. Excellent. I did as well. <laughs> uh, characters. All right. Um, so we have to start with Michael Scott, of course, played by Steve Carell. Mm-hmm. Amazing. Cringy. He was really terrible. In this. <laughs> like, he was just such an ass. They really, I think, realized early on... Not in this episode, of course, but realized early on that they needed to make Michael a lot more likable. Um, But he was just terrible in this, especially his scene where he is pretending to fire Pam. Punking. Punking her. Yeah. Oh, my God. (laughs) Can we just talk about that for one second? Does that date this show? Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Like kids in several years, I mean, even now might be like, what what does he mean he got punked? (laughs) MTV's punked. Uh, Anyway. (laughs) And Ryan, who's the... Temp. Temp uh, is his accomplice in this. He says, "You know, you know, punk, you know the show Punk. All right, so we're gonna we're gonna punk." And he doesn't tell him what we're punking. Oh yeah, because the office might be going through a downsizing. Everybody mm-hmm. knows this now, and everybody's you know a little bit on eggshells that they might get fired soon. Uh, Pam even says, "You know, I don't think it'd be the worst thing if they got rid of me. <laughs> like, yeah, if they downsize. I'm kind of hoping it's me." Yeah, what little girl grows up wanting to be a receptionist? Right. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, he was awful. So there was that was, and it was the uh, the line. I love it just in terms of the show, what they did here, and mm-hmm. how how Michael Scott plays it, or sorry, Steve Carell plays it. Yeah. But when he says he does a six million dollar man bit. Yeah. And she and you know Pam sitting there at the front desk like, okay, like how am I supposed to chime in for this to stop? Mm-hmm. Like, what are we doing? He goes six million dollar man. It went way too long. Be too. A, right. <laughs> be a good salary for me, huh? Six million dollars. I could use raise. And she goes, couldn't we all? He goes, wow, uh, you know, if you're not happy with your compensation, maybe take it up with HR. Just not today, Pam. Just try to be professional, please. Yeah. Of oh my all God, people hurt. coming from him, it was like, oh, you're so too. nasty. Yeah, you're so gross. Yeah, that was fucked up. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that was mean. Uh, however, you have Jim, who is 
in true to form, sincere, out of the gate, the office nice guy. He's got a quote yeah. that I loved when we first kind of meet him in his first uh, one of his first interview scenes. Yeah, uh, and he says he's explaining his job, and I think he plays it so well. Like as yeah. an actor, I think he plays it so well. And he says, "I'm boring myself just talking about this." I think that was one of their auditions. So it was one of their oh. audition lines. So I went through and watched all of the people who auditioned I've for the him. role of each character and mm. this was the line they kept doing and he absolutely did way better than everyone else like he nailed it when you watch the audition scenes because mm -hmm. there's other people in their own right that got quite famous yeah um but they weren't right for this right and they brought other people into the show mm -hmm. you had bob odenkirk you had somebody who played pam bob odenkirk who who's better called saul who plays michael oh, scott yeah, mm -hmm. yeah. And, uh, not a michael scott he plays a michael scott type character yeah in season eight or nine when when Steve Carell's gone. Yeah. So clearly some people, you know, were in good with the producers, just didn't quite score the role. Yeah, they wanted something very specific. Yeah. Like and they wanted somebody who could not underplay, like very subtly play the role. It was a very it is understated a performance. Yeah, understated. So it was really good, but... Yeah, if they went crazy with it, which is funny because Rain Wilson, like, <laughs> he really just knew the character super well. I don't know if you saw the other ones. I who, did. Uh, yeah, that did Dwight. And it was just like, they didn't play it straight enough. Like, Dwight was ridiculous, but played it straight. <laughs> like, you believed straight. that he believed mm -hmm. everything he was saying. P Absolutely. is sterile. Urine is sterile, or whatever yes. he says in that. Because <laughs> the other guy, who's, you find him on YouTube, the other potential Dwights. I'm going to link that in the show notes, guys. Do that. Good yep. thinking. Um, it, it, to your point, it was a little too, it felt a little too played. It felt a little too put yeah. on. And maybe it felt a little too sitcom-y. Absolutely. Mm -hmm. I guess that's what exactly what you were saying. <laughs> <laughs> um, Pam, we've discussed. She she is uh, maybe you would rather, she's an artist. Mm -hmm. She has other things that are of interest to her. My favorite line, maybe in all of The Office, that I've in my head I use it, but I won't say it out loud because I don't want anybody to miss the reference. Mm -hmm. You think she's cute now? You should have seen her a couple of years ago. <laughs> it's so messed up. <laughs> <laughs> Which is, of course, when Steve Carell introduces the, you know, the unseen film crew to her. Mm -hmm. This is Pam. She's been what four years now. Think she's cute now? And the face she shoots him, like, excuse me. Uh, such an offensive line, yes. so funny, and you feel like Steve Carell's character, Michael Scott, actually feels like he's paying her a genuine compliment. Yeah. <laughs> no, it hurt. <laughs> hurt to see that. <laughs> uh, we get a little bit of the Jim and Pam flirtationship all, we right do, off the bat. We do, quite a bit, actually. And it wasn't, like, hardcore flirty. It was really subtle things, which, like, you know, another thing that the show just seems to do well. But um, it was when... Um, he was talking about downsizing, Jim was, and he's like, oh, what am I going to do with all this useless information? He starts listing things off, but then he says, Tonnage. Pam's favorite flavor of, <laughs> yeah, Pam's favorite flavor of yogurt, mixed berries. And then it cuts to her talking head, and she goes, he said mixed berries? He's on to me. <laughs> and it's right. like, oh, this is cute. <laughs> mm. They have a thing going. He's really observing some subtle things with and her. It's a really sweet, goofy, innocent sort of love that's like kind of gross in a way like if you're jaded and world weary <laughs> as we are now there's something about it oh he's on to me <laughs> it's like oh that's so gross and so adorable i don't know why it's gross i think that you just have a hard time with the romance like goodness 
Well, she's still with Roy at this point. So Yeah, like, but can we talk about him for a second? Because he's on my card because he was there and he was really awful. He's he so awful. clearly the villain. He is yeah. such the villain. Like, Jim was trying to be friendly with him. Oh, what's in the bag? I'm just going to go wait in the car. Like, fuck you, dude. And then she's asking for permission to go to the drinks after work. And he's just like, no, we got to go. Let's just go home. home. And it's like, why? Why do you have to go home? She clearly, you guys clearly don't have plans. Like, I just, I didn't understand why he was in charge of making that decision for her. Time for margarita at Chili's. Oh, God, yeah. <laughs> staple of the show and a staple of our friendship. Absolutely. <laughs> That's true. Uh, you know, you bring up a really good point that I wrote down because I didn't want to miss it, mm-hmm. which is what is in the bag? <laughs> I just realized that I don't know if there's anything online about it, if there's a bunch of subreddits on it, but like seriously, 15 years later, what's in the bag? What is in the fucking bag, though? <laughs> like, what was in the bag? Why does he have a trash bag full of something? There's a backstory there. I got to know. Yeah. What's in Roy's plastic bag that he was so secretive about? That is really the MacGuffin that I feel like the show <laughs> actually re- revolves around. That. Yep. The whole show revolves yeah. around this. We could probably have a special <laughs> episode devoted just to that. And maybe one day we will. <laughs> Unless the office ladies already covered it. I don't think they did. Now I really want to re-listen to their first episode and be like, what was in the bag? But what was in the bag, though? And why was he so secretive about it? Yeah. So I think there's probably a uh, aspect to Roy's character where he's a warehouse guy, right? So he's yeah. in the sales office dealing mm-hmm. with all the front-facing people. So he's in the warehouse where, you know, it's probably more vulgar and you don't deal with customers. Yeah. So he doesn't have any of that customer service charm that you know, Jim exudes. Weird. I'm a stockroom person. I still have charm. <laughs> <laughs> like, I could be much worse as a non-people people person. Well, I just never made the connection. I just looked at Roy as just sort of the abrasive, just, you know, bad guy boyfriend. Yeah. But if I if I looked at the role he played, like, why does he work at, at Dunder Mifflin, too? I, I guess I just pieced it together that he, he represented... At that time, the warehouse, before you got Daryl and before you got some other things that came out of the warehouse. Um, He was the connection to the warehouse, which at times you kind of forgot that there was a warehouse. Oh, yeah, absolutely. When we're introduced to it in the first season, Michael Scott says, he says, this is a very important part of my job is managing the warehouse. I haven't been down here in weeks. (laughs) Yep. (laughs) Absolutely. So I don't know if, uh, if I'm reading too much into it or if Roy did represent that other side of the business because he was our access to it for a while. Yeah. Um, something I did really notice with Roy is I don't feel like we ever hate him this much ever again. Like he is his absolute worst here. He's definitely a terrible partner in all of the other episodes, but then he's, you know, more of a guy's guy when you get the rest of the warehouse guys, you know, he's the drinking buddy. He's the, you know, wrestling with, you know, wrestling with his buddies. There was like a kid's day, take your daughter to work day. And um meredith brought her son i believe (laughs) and he was just like wrestling around with him and like you know really seemed to get along with him and so it's like he has good moments but definitely not in this like you wouldn't know that yeah well i guess that was that's kind of my point is that he's the only one who's sort of a traditional gruff tough guy yeah which is kind of how you might see the warehouse guy Mm -hmm. i appreciate that there's times he's more sympathetic later remember very late in the show when they go to his wedding Yes. And he's pretty cool to Jim. Like, he's pretty cool. Yeah. And he, he's kind of a, uh, and it's like cool that they keep putting him in the show and he's still, his character still has a life in the office mm-hmm. universe. 
um, that I thought was well done. But you're right. He was never quite so... Heinously awful. <laughs> heinously awful uh, in the, I don't know that, you know, in the kind of abusive, controlling boyfriend way that they presented yeah. him here. Because that's totally unredeeming. Yeah, well, I mean... And later he's just kind of a shitty boyfriend. Yeah, he's shitty, but he, like... It's one of those things where he won't tell Pam she can't go to the party. He just won't be going along with her, which is already kind of a weird boyfriend move. But it's not the controlling, no, you have to be joyless with yeah. me. But there is a scene. I can't remember what it is now. Do you remember, like, there's a lunchroom scene that he comes to have lunch with Pam mm-hmm. and says something horrible much later in the show. That's sort of, well, maybe not much later, because I guess Jim and Pam mm-hmm. at the conclusion of season one, two, two. Yeah, of course, there's really no conclusion to season one. Yeah, season one's only like six episodes. Right. So. <laughs> um, it's a mini season. Well, so there's something, I can't remember what it was, so maybe it's not worth bringing up, but there's something that happens, I think, over lunch where, where Roy says some horrible thing, like, like, why do you think like Pam and I keep postponing the wedding or something like that? Ew. There's a moment that I, I seem to recall that is the moment that he's the singularly most awful. That he ever is, in, in that he's just really pretty hurtful and offensive to in publicly toward. Uh, oh yeah, no, he, there are definitely multiple points where it's like, yeah, he's terrible. He's not supportive. You know, like when um, Jan has the Women's Day um, meeting with the ladies, and she really pushes Pam to pursue graphic design, and they have classes in New York. Oh right, you know, you do that on weekends and. You know, we can make it work with your schedule. And she's pretty excited about it and takes it to Roy. And he goes, well, like, there's no saying that it's going to take you anywhere. Like, you don't know anything's going to come of it. And she just kind of comes out of that totally deflated on it. Like, she was pretty excited. And Jim had been like, oh, yeah, no, you should totally do it. Like, I I don't even know the details. You have to do that. Mm -hmm. And so seeing the contrast, I mean, always knowing the contrast against Jim, who has way more chemistry with her and is way more supportive. Right. Um, let's talk about, oh, we got to talk about Dwight. We talked yeah, about Rain Wilson a little it. bit, but let's get into <laughs> the jello, the, the pencils, pencils. Yeah. The, the practical jokes is, yeah. is the extremes that he goes to. You know, he's funny? a fucking Kevin. I've, <laughs> that's confusing because there's a Kevin in this show. Oh, yeah. So like, let's not muddy that one. No, Kevin but. is a character and fucking Kevin is somebody from my life that I know. Sure. <laughs> um, all I was going to say is that Dwight is, a qu- I swear I've met this guy. You know what I mean? Like, not quite as extreme and hilarious, mm-hmm. but the person who takes everything too seriously, who needs everything to a T this exact, here are the rules. No, you're not following the rules. These are the rules. And it's like, oh my God, can you just like loosen up a little bit, man? Like yeah. just, so I feel like it's absolutely one of those where it's like, yeah, every office has one. Did I already tell this story about, uh, Serving tables, and my coworker gets mad Kevin. at fucking Kevin. Was that when I told the story? Was on when we started talking office last week? I think so, but maybe not. Can I tell it? Certainly. Okay. So when I watched, the thing that sparked my interest, I told you I have my friend who said you got to borrow my Netflix account. Yep. The thing that sparked my interest in watching The Office was I had a coworker, and we were serving tables, and fucking Kevin, our coworker, who is <laughs> our, walks by and does some fucking Kevin-y thing, and uh, Miranda gets all flustered with him and goes, he's such a, he's such a Dwight. <laughs> and I said, okay, first of all, that's hilarious. Second of all, what is that reference? 
what are you talking about? What does that mean? Okay. And she says, uh, she says, I'm watching The Office right now, and I have an association for all the characters with my actual real-life coworkers. Uh, and I said, like, well, I mean, that's hilarious also. Uh, do I, like, I don't want to be needy here or anything, but do I have one? Like, you have one for me? Mm-hmm. And she goes, oh, yeah, you're, and she kind of brightens up, and she beams because she's excited about talking about The Office and, like, sharing in this with me because it's this hilarious thing she's Who been doing. Who does she feel like you are? She says, you're, um, 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 you're, uh, Gosh, you're you're the main guy. You're Steve Carell's character. You're uh, you're Michael Scott, and I was like, Steve Carell's character. Oh, that like he is the star of the show, right? And I thought, oh well, that's very. <laughs> and I was so flattered by it that I wa- I started watching it because I was so flattered by it, and I was watching it at like two o'clock in the morning because it was my college days, so I was always up late and exhausted. And I remember, I think I texted her and I was like, Steve, Michael Scott, like seriously, Miranda, like this is the most offensive thing anybody has ever said to me. See, I would disagree. I'd say you're more (laughs) of um, Ed Helms character, which is Andy Bernard. Because he does the singing all the time. And I swear you don't stop singing. Like I have to make you stop singing so I can get decent levels because, you know. Your talking voice is what I need to hone in on. And you get really quiet sometimes. And I need to make sure that I catch that. And when you're singing, of course, you're, oh, you know, yeah, really well, belting big, it out. I have a big, well-trained diaphragm. Can't help myself. Well-trained by whom? Um, Frank Sinatra. <laughs> oh, okay. I did karaoke last night. <laughs> I was killing it. Yeah. Nobody wanted to do it. So I kind of recruited everybody in the karaoke place. There was, two, there was a couple of guys, a group of guys who were very country. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, uh, and I said, so, like, you guys want to do uh, – Garth Brooks, you want to do it? I got friends in low places. They're like, oh, no, no, we don't want to go up there. We don't want to go up there. It's like, you know this song. Like, I know you fuckers know this song. So I got them to all go up there. Obviously, they had the time of their life, and they rushed out of there pretty quickly after that. <laughs> like, okay, we did it. We faced it. We got to go. We got we to gotta get. <laughs> oh, anyway, uh, so, so that's the fucking Kevin reference. Really um, quick, I did want to remind twice. you what your fucking Kevin reference was last time. It was on our Firefly episode. I remember it. You, um, it was the... Shoot them kindly. And, Shoot them kindly. And kindly it reminded fuck you off. of the kindly fuck off. Absolutely. <laughs> Where did you have that written? Uh, as you were saying the thing, I had the memory you remembered of what it. you did. Oh, yeah, that's so funny. I wrote it down so that way I remembered to tell you what the reference was. I love that fucking Kevin's a recurring character. We should have him on the show sometime. No, we shouldn't. He's too weird. I'll make everybody uncomfortable. <laughs> Although I love him like a brother. Well, Kevin, if you're fucking Kevin, if you're out there listening, <laughs> we love you. But fuck off kindly. <laughs> Fuck off. Okay. Um, so, uh, so Dwight. Dwight. Let's get into it. Je- I mean, I named a couple things that just can't go unnamed. The Jello, which was in the UK version. Yeah. What I pencils. really enjoyed was the pencils, which is where um, Jim's items, his folders, are lightly, so lightly, like maybe a centimeter, encroaching upon his desk. And he was just freaking out about it so he's like grabs a ruler and starts shoving it over mm. going through the crack to make sure it's like mm, well if my ruler shouldn't be hitting this if you're on your side and so then jim puts <laughs> puts up like a blockade of pencils like poking upwards so it does look uh a like fortress <laughs> a fortress yeah. yeah and tapes some to his <laughs> he says his i could phone. fall and pierce an organ yeah so then he starts whacking <laughs> those with his <laughs> desk phone yeah, and Jim goes, oh, yeah, I wouldn't be missing much if I <laughs> if we downsized. <laughs> <laughs> uh, 
and it, there's something about the the physical cadence of how he takes his phone mm-hmm. and smash, 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 smash. Yeah. It's a very pattern movement. Yeah. And he's so committed to it, I guess, is the thing. Rain Wilson is so committed to dwighting it up. Yeah, absolutely. I'm telling you, he's a props guy. He really knows what to do with them. He's also a part-time volunteer sheriff's deputy. Yep, absolutely. He's also, because he's a natural-born leader, mm-hmm. uh, assistant regional manager. Assistant to the regional assistant manager. Assistant regional manager. <laughs> <laughs> they specifically corrected it. <laughs> um, yeah, so one other thing that I found was really funny and really telling to who he is as a character was... Um, when they did his talking head about downsizing, he's like, downsizing? I told them when I started here. Like, that was my interview. I told them that they should be downsizing. Because, <laughs> you know, it's all about efficiency. Right. He's big on rules. And, yeah, he he's joyless <laughs> and, and yet absurdly funny. Not joyless in the way that Roy is because he's oppressively joyless. He's just in a sour mood. Uh, Dwight's weird. <laughs> Dwight is so delightfully weird. He says... When he's getting mad at Jim for basically bullying him by trapping his um, stapler in Jello, yeah, and uh, Michael Scott goes all "That's what she said" in this moment, and did really, he actually say that's no, what she said? No, it okay. wasn't. I was gonna say, here. did that come that up as here. early as the pilot? So they're finding these little puns to make fun of Dwight, which on one hand, with the Jello, yeah, mm-hmm. on one hand, because it's uh, uh, like you got the stapler in custody. Um, or yeah. whatever. It was it was dessert jokes, mm-hmm. pudding yeah. jokes, uh, and Jim's eating Jello, a little mm-hmm. red, little red Jello cup. Oh, uh, I missed that. That's oh, funny. you didn't notice yeah. that? Yeah. When he's saying it wasn't me, like why would you guys think it's me? As he eats <laughs> like the the red Jellos that you had in elementary school oh, yeah. that mom would have packed in your brown paper sack. So it's clearly him, and he's not shying away from it. But you know, Steve Carell, being as unprofessional as he is. Uh, Probably should have said, yeah, (laughs) Michael, Steve Carell's a consummate professional. Absolutely. Um, Brings these, he should have brought him into his office, right? And said, okay, this is ridiculous. First of all, I think it's kind of funny. And uh, Dwight, you're maybe being a little dramatic, but, and Dwight's thing is, well, I was just concerned about the damage to company property. Yeah. And it was kind of unconvincing in a way. Like he was convincing, but it's so absurdly ridiculous it's like, you know that you look like the, the little guy here. No, I, I totally, like, I felt like it was very convincing. And, like, honestly, that would be the part that bothers me is the property damage. He was convincing. It was uncomfortable because he was so committed to his ethics on the matter. Dwight was so, like, he looked so bullied here. When everybody's yeah. making fun of him and he actually had something that meant something to him mm-hmm. because the company and the success of, and, you know, Holding the mantle of being assistant regional manager. Assistant to the regional manager. Assistant regional manager. Uh, <laughs> um, was, you know, you like you want to hate him. And in this moment here, he's so, like, bullied. It was like kind of like kind of felt for him because yeah. Michael Scott so badly missed the moment that he's actually bullying inadvertently the assistant regional manager. Assistant to the regional manager. Okay. Yeah. So, um I will say, Michael definitely, I mean, he lists his job titles, I guess, what he feels his job titles are to Ryan the Temp. Mm -hmm. Um, And he says, I think he says friend, boss, and then third entertainer. But honestly, I really feel like he, for him, it goes entertainer, friend, boss. And if people are 
not excited about being his friend, then he really leans hard into the boss because it's like, I'm your boss. I, this is power move. <laughs> you like, know, your job is to be my friend. Probably the most important thing to talk about. Uh-huh. Mm, you know what? We should talk about it in our, in our next category. Um, well, you want to get through the rest of the characters real I quick? I do. I do. Okay. So um, next I wrote down Jan Levinson. She came in from corporate. Hillary Rodham um, Clinton. Yep, <laughs> um, played by Melora Hardin, um, and she does become a recurring character. She was actually really good in it. Uh, you know, I, I'm i always disappointed. She was so good when she played it straight. And she was good when they made her crazy, too. Yeah, But I always missed when she played it straight because I thought her character offered more to the story when she played it straight. Just to be clear, the Hillary Rodham Clinton reference is what Steve Carell, would, what Michael Scott calls her when she's not around, of course. Yeah. Um. And uh, there's a whole lot of those. These are the inside jokes that we have around the office that get exposed in a humiliating sense when Jan shows up, when corporate shows up. And he's obviously always ill-prepared all the time. But his crazy goofball thing compared to her straight, like the straight man, where she actually feels like a a person who would be an executive at a company like this in real life, um, I thought the dynamic was like on fire at the time. Oh, absolutely. Where he really, it made him look really out of his mind, and everybody else was pretty normal. Everybody was pretty ordinary in this. Yeah. At so the beginning. She came to the office for a downsizing meeting, mm-hmm. which Michael insisted that Pam comes along to, which she never really writes down notes, but he always has her there, makes him feel important. And uh, Jan says, Oh, well, did you get the agenda? And he goes, mm, Nope, no agenda. Pam? Pam, should I have gotten this? And she's like, you you got it. It's that fax from earlier. And she's trying to, like, kind of cover mm-hmm. for him a little bit. But yep. then he's like, why didn't I get this? Like, really trying to throw her under the bus. And she goes, you put it in the trash can that's the special filing cabinet. And then he's just like, oh, oh shit. <laughs> he got called out on it. Right. It's my brother's joke. Uh, it works better for bills, not so much for faxes. <laughs> <laughs> Is that what his response That's was? what he said. But you know what? I didn't realize he had a brother. Uh, I don't. I don't believe he does in later seasons because he doesn't really have much family at all. Like right. his mom phones in a couple of times and that's it. Yeah. Um, his, his, he actually very strongly lacks a family life, which is another reason it seems that they kind of have him want so much more of his coworkers that he wants them to be his friends and wants them to be his family mm-hmm. because he ha- he doesn't have that. Totally. Um, I have, Funny enough, I wrote Packer next, just yeah, because. Yeah, Packer. Yeah, it's funny that he has really such a small role in the show. Yeah, and I don't even think it's the guy who ends up playing him. Oh, that was his voice, voice, I think. I don't believe it was, but I could be wrong. Okay. I believe that was a point in the Office Ladies where he didn't come in until later. Okay. Yeah, I, I don't know for sure. That sounded like the same guy's voice to me. I don't know if they sure. re-recorded it or whatever, but they or. Or I'm just incorrect, but they established early on the outside sales guy, Packer. Mm-hmm. Now, having been an outside sales guy, I totally get what they're going for here, which is the, you're the one who needs to go out, you know, work the people and shoot the shit, right? Like, you yeah. just got to be all personality all the time. And uh, and as you're pandering to certain personality types, um, you know, that's what makes somebody like him pretty offensive. And then he's yeah. always working on the road alone. So he comes up throughout the show 
as a guest star here and there. Yeah. Uh, but to have established so early on, I, I just always forget that Packer was established early on as Very the early. outside sales guy. Yep. Like it was an important point that either never came up again or that they strategically made it. Since he's the outside sales guy, he's always doing his thing and isn't really part of the crowd. Yeah. Um, so anyway, just pleasant surprise every time I see he's in there. Absolutely. Who so else do you have? All I I've have got left is Ryan. Ryan Howard, our temp, mm-hmm. played by B.J. Novak, who I've, we've already talked about as a writer yep. on the show. Uh, was he a, was, do you know if at this point in time he was a producer of the show? I think he was an executive producer later, question mark, question mark, question mark. I'm not sure. That's a good question. I'm not sure. Okay. Um, so probably he, it's interesting that he also played it very straight. He was some guy who was just plucked out of the temp agency, just looking for a job. He was a business major, right? Yep. Mm-hmm. Not maybe established in the pilot, I don't think. He ends up going to business, taking business classes later. I don't know that it's necessarily he's going for a major per se, but they kind of make it sound like he's going to cl- like a community college. Oh, okay. Um, I, I vaguely remembered him being, I trust you on that. I vaguely remembered him being like a business major who's, Feels like he's a pro because he's got some business classes. Oh, sure, yeah. Um, but however it works out. So he, he uh, seems like he's going to be so relevant to this. They make the character crazy. He gets worse and worse and worse over the years. He pops up in, here and there because he's always been working on this show. Yeah. It's just funny to me that he's one of the very few people in the intro for years and is really never that predominant to me. Yeah, I mean... It's a 22-minute show, and they have a lot of, you know, it's an ensemble cast, mm-hmm. so there are a lot of people to cover. So you don't necessarily get a whole lot of anyone at any given point, but his, um, they really more focus on his interaction with Kelly Kapoor when she becomes a bit bigger. Right. Um, so, like, season two. So Roy was the next one we technically saw, but I feel like we've talked to him to death. Totally. Um, Kevin, they so barely, like, they literally just have one scene with between he and Angela, um, Angela mm. Martin. Played by Angela Kinsey, <laughs> and Kevin Malone was played by Brian Baumgartner. Um, they just had this, and Kevin didn't have the voice that we get later, where, where it's like very quiet. It's like very strange. It sounds like it's really hard for him to talk. So yeah, we got nothing on him here, and we really so don't get much on really him. Really quick first though, season. what I brought up was the scene between he and right. Angela um, when they're talking about downsizing, and literally the only exchange was. Angela's kind of freaking out. She goes, it's probably going to be me. Oh, it's almost definitely going to be me. And he goes, yeah, it's probably going to be you. Like, very deadpan delivery. And right. it was really great. Yeah. But that's all That's all we've got from them. Right. Which, uh, good thing they have at least lines in this one. But they didn't actually get confirmed as regulars until after season two. Or partway through season two. Uh, we have a shot of Stanley. We have no Oscar. Oh, uh, no and we get interaction with Stanley. Because... Steve Carell says something pretty racist. Yeah. Or like he has a, a he gives like a, a what? Well, he says chilling. He kind of puts a drawl on it and says sure. chilling and looks at Stanley. Yeah. Okay. So that's all I've got there. Um, and Stanley, just giving a call out to all of our cast members. That's Leslie David Baker, who ends up, <laughs> he just, he plays it so well too. He just does not take anyone's shit. He's tired of everything and wants to do the bare minimum all the time. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he's such a uh, agitated. He's just like the agitated old bull in the room. Absolutely. Like, just let me do my thing. I do it just the way I do it. That's the only way I'm going to do it. Stop pissing me off. Everybody's pissing me off. Yeah. He's not very excitable. 
And when he is truly mad, like it really shows because he puts some energy into it. <laughs> I can't. There's some explosion he has at some point. Are you out your damn mind? I, and he just unloads. Yeah. Okay. So when we think of the characters, though, in the pilot, the ones that I think of are obviously Michael Scott, uh, Jim, Pam, Dwight, Roy, Jan, Ryan. Mm-hmm. Those are the ones that, that are that the, really have stuff. Yeah. The ensemble to speak of. Yeah. And to me, between all of them, or any combination of them, are definitely interesting enough to say, okay, I'm, you know, I'm definitely interested in these characters. Absolutely. They get a pass for me. Totally. Me too. Okay. So as we move into plot, the thing that I started to say that I held back on was okay. something that you told me that Taylor, your boyfriend Taylor, put into perspective, which was that the... Uh, Office is about the sales guy who's all personality all the time, who is in the management role because he was such a successful sales guy, Mm -hmm. who is not fit for management. Not a fit leader, yeah. Not professional. Excelled in one certain area because of that, you know, famous entertainer personality and wanting to be everybody's friend. Yeah. And then super shouldn't have been in this role. It, my personal, you know, connection to it is, uh, embarrassing to me because I can think of a time a a restaurant job that I had where (laughs) I was the youngest newest person there the management was kind of after all the uh, older gals that had worked there that had kind of become oh you know they ruled the roost and they always pushed back against the management yeah Uh, so I felt like I kind of got set up on that one and and didn't have any good guidance myself Mm -hmm. and kind of went from being you know, try to be jovial and likable with all the customers. And and uh, now you're their boss. And I felt like when you said that, mm-hmm. repeated what the way Taylor put it, I thought, man, uh, I feel like that's what happened. Whereas I shouldn't have been in that role at that time, at that age, you know, at yeah. early 20s. And I look back at that. It was so embarrassed, too, because I feel like there was the not understanding of what being a professional was or what other people needed or that you were setting an example and that you were representing, you know, that you were the general representing the troops and they needed to respect you. Uh, And he has this, like, this need uh, that the kind of the plot of the show revolves around, which is why I'm bringing it up here. Sure. um, That this need to be, that he needs to be loved Mm -hmm. so much and he doesn't understand this, this dichotomy of being loved versus respected. Absolutely. And that's sort of the crux of everything that makes Michael Scott, Michael Scott and drives the whole show. Absolutely. He's like, he's distracting. They have all their, uh, all their meetings all the time. What is it? The uh, party planning committee. Yeah. You know, all these things that like people are happy to come in there, do their work, make their money, get out. And they can't because we always have to stop and pause for the Michael Scott show. And it's insufferable for the people that are there. Oh, yeah. I mean, the very next episode is Diversity Day. And I mean, doesn't matter how much time has passed, you know exactly how that goes, which is, you know, more and less, this is supposed to go a certain way if it was planned at all. Um, (laughs) And he takes over from HR. Toby, he does not like, like, he finds HR insufferable, which we don't get into the pilot at all. Um, But he hates Toby because he's HR and they have a very specific way they want to do things. And he feels like it really steps on his toes as the leader. And so instead of, you know, 
maybe reading through the materials and making sure to present it in the way that HR wants it. He thinks he knows the best, and he's going to present it his way. And golly, he's just the smartest guy in the room. you got to take a page out of his book. Yeah. Yeah, I know it's so offensive. Yeah, and, and, I, and on every level, it was offensive. Oh yeah, absolutely. The uh, doesn't what are they? That's the one. No, I was thinking of the one where he kisses Oscar. <laughs> yes. <laughs> yeah, no, that one is strictly race. Right. Their diversity day. Right. Well, it is before Oscar had come out as gay too. So I got I yeah. got the very many offensive things that Michael Scott's done over the years. They all yeah. they some of them blend together. That's that was the most amusing television kiss ever. Like the face. Oh, it was so just painful. so uncomfortable. <laughs> so painful. But that's really that sh- the show. Like it is so uncomfortable. <laughs> it is so cringy and so wonderful. And isn't that where Oscar is saying, "Don't do this, Michael. Please yeah. don't do this. Don't do this. Don't make me do this." <laughs> <laughs> So, plot of the show, where we're going, does the pilot set yeah. it up? Um, in retrospect, I think it does. If I was watching this the first time, I don't know that it does. It kind of just tells me, I mean, it ends with Jim putting the world's best boss cup in Jello. Yeah. Uh, and it kind of says to me, the there's more of the same. You know, there will be more talk of downsizing, probably. Yep. More of the corporate, you know, inner office pushback, more yep. of the office antics, and just yep. sort of more of these characters. Yep, and then the only other thing I have is you have the, they really well set up the Roy, Jim, Pam love triangle, which is the reason I ultimately kept coming back, um, just because they just pepper it in there. And it's not even like a main thing by any means, mm-hmm. but like even the creators look back on it and say, yeah, I mean, we consider it a bit, a bit of a romantic comedy. Mm, interesting. So. So would you give the plot a pass? I would. Uh, I would, too, because what you're talking about with Jim and Pam, to me, is if there's a hook at all, mm-hmm. it's Jim and Pam. Yep. No, seeing the chemistry there, knowing that's going on, seeing Roy, immediately dismissing him. Absolutely. If there's anything that makes me want to come back. And frankly, at the end of this, there's not much. Yeah, absolutely. Even if you thought it was funny, it's like that was painful to get through. I was absolutely. amused, but that was painful. Um, so the hook here is kind of weak for me. This is the weakest point. That's Top car, top of my card. Ah, the weakest, weakest part, part of the pilot. Of the pilot. <laughs> but I was the most interested in the Jim Pam dynamic. There you um, go. Rob, sorry, Roy is obviously awful, and Jim and Pam have a really good chemistry, and it's really subtle things like him noticing what flavor of yogurt it was, and her being, yeah. you know, kind of tickled by it. Yeah, yeah, it was really sweet. Um, you know, I'm definitely interested, obviously, in more um, pranks between. Uh, yeah. Jim and other characters, like, you know, mainly Dwight, because Dwight just takes it so poorly. It's so fabulous. <laughs> so, like, that interaction is another reason I keep coming back. But I would say the biggest draw is the Jim-Pam relationship. That's true. One shouldn't undercut the uh, uniqueness of the Jim-Dwight foil relationship. Oh, absolutely. It's so good. That you do want to see more of that. There is an episode, it's the complaint episode, um, and they're going through all of the complaints that Dwight files for Jim, and they literally just run through a bunch of, <laughs> like, pranks that we haven't seen on camera, and it's hilarious because, you know, they sh- do a talking head with Jim, and he goes, well, it's a lot less impressive when you just kind of rapid fire them like that, but <laughs> <laughs> they were all so good. It was hilarious. Just here, like there's a huge box of things that Toby says he's sending to corporate. <laughs> he's just filing them locally. Won't send it anywhere. Was that, some of the greats that come to mind mm-hmm. are Dwight getting faxes from future Dwight 
which are really from Jim. Do you remember that one? If they show it on camera, it's not the one listed, but yes, I do remember. Okay, it. yeah, yeah. I'm just thinking of the ones, the hilarious ones that were among my favorites. Because yeah. he wouldn't have reported Jim for that because that wasn't from Jim. It was from Future Dwight. <laughs> and then maybe one of the famous, famous ones, which is pretty late in the show's run, which is where the Asian guy, I, I don't know the actor's name, although I've seen him a thousand times, uh, and it's Asian Jim. Oh, yeah. And Asian Jim and Dwight saying, where's Jim? And he goes, I'm Jim. And he replaces the picture. Yeah. So it's, it's, uh, it's our acting friend. Yeah. <laughs> it's our friend who's an actor. Yeah. And, uh, and actually, and he says, but hey, kudos to you for not seeing race, man. It's really cool that it took you this long <laughs> to realize I was Asian. That was and a Dwight's, good one. of course, buying it. <laughs> so one that they mentioned in like the rapid fire mm-hmm. where we never see it on camera no. is one where and it's hilarious and offhand. Um, he goes, and then he made me hit myself in the face with my phone. <laughs> and they do like a cut to Jim explaining how he did it. And he's like, yeah, I just stick like a nickel every f- so often in his phone and <laughs> like slowly make it way more and more without him noticing. And then one day I just took all the nickels out. And so then he picked it up too fast and hit himself in the face. It was so good. It just, it's so clever. And they really put time and thought into the pranks. Funny because that's a prank you just pulled on yourself that you were telling me in the Taco Bell drive through. Yeah, I when really you overcorrected on the <laughs> yeah. weight of the. I think I thought that my uh, Baja Blast was gonna weigh a lot more, and when I went to withdraw it into my my vehicle, it hit the top of the window. Like <laughs> it was crazy. It was like I don't know how that happened. Thank you for not acknowledging it <laughs> to the person who gave me my food. It was very embarrassing. <laughs> so uh, I would say, and I, I guess I just don't think, I know in 2005 I would have not said that those things hooked me. Yeah. Now I would, and for our purposes of scoring the pilot, mm-hmm. for what the producers sought to do and clearly had a better idea of the sh- story they were trying to tell than I did, Yeah. Uh, I think they nailed it. The, hooks were, the hook was even subtle. Yeah. Absolutely. Because this is day at the office, right? So yeah. we've got to come back. Like every day is kind of monotonous. Everything is always kind of the same. We are going to just be at this set a lot, doing a lot of the same things. So uh, I think even they get extra credit for subtlety. And I would say that that hook was uh, sufficient to say this was a successful podcast, not podcast, successful pilot uh, in all four categories. I would agree. Absolutely. And I mean, it definitely wasn't appreciated at the time, but I don't know that that's something that we should fault the show for rather that, you know, we just weren't ready for it as uh, people. <laughs> and a lot of people really did catch on. You and I were just among <laughs> those who were like, mm, no, where's my laugh track? Why is this so dry? I, um, it was it was abrasive to be exposed to something completely new in format. Yeah. No, I think it actually deserves credit for its artistic value. Absolutely. That's probably, you know, been lost in time because there's been so much imitation of it since then, since we have gotten comfortable with that storytelling style. Um, So, yeah, it's not a fault at all. I guess just remembering it in history and comparing it to now. Yeah. And it did end up being one of the classic sitcoms of all time. Rightly so. You know, now and then I feel like I'll run into somebody who still just doesn't get The Office. It's very rare. You ever experienced that? Lauren hasn't seen it yet. My sister Lauren has mm-hmm. not seen it yet. And we keep making um, references to it. And finally, I sent like a gift to my brother, like a group chat that we're all in. And I was like, oh, my gosh, Gage, my brother, this is so you. Like, this is such a you. It's a shot of Daryl, like literally just being like, OK, and like 
backing out of the office with like a straight face. And it was very much a, something my brother would do. And my sister's like, oh, hmm, maybe I need to finally try that. I'm like, I forget you haven't seen it. Let's watch that together. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, it's really odd when people haven't seen it or don't just totally love it. Right. I feel like anyone who doesn't totally love it hasn't tried it recently. And, ha- and probably only softly committed. You know, once mm-hmm. upon a time, saw an episode here or there and has seen enough to decisively say, I don't get it. I hate it. Yeah, uh, my mom wouldn't be into that, but she's not into anything that's well, kind of silly. She's not. She's a very serious TV watcher. <laughs> well, I think our moms are mostly procedurals, aren't they? Yeah, and, and period pieces. She really yeah. likes things, you know, uh, the Tudors, anything where it's like, you know, oh, this is has some historical value. I'm like, meh. Adults. <laughs> Adults. Yeah, they like dramas. Yeah. Yeah. Well, um, do you have I any could... quotes that you haven't oh, gotten yeah, to? Oh yeah, I think there's one more. Okay, well you pull yours up. I'm gonna go through mine really quick. Um, so it was really funny when Michael Scott was talking about his world's greatest boss mug, and it really cracked me up that he goes, "Oh, I found it at Spencer Gifts." Like obviously nobody bought it for him, so he's the one who thinks he's the greatest boss. Right. Um, I found that amusing. And the other one was when he goes, "What's up?" And Jim mm-hmm. goes, "Oh, what's up?" Still love that after seven years. <laughs> it's like, Jesus. <laughs> it was a dated reference even then. <laughs> <laughs> and it's like a certain type of obnoxious guy who's still saying, what's up? Oh, absolutely. Right. It was very obnoxious when it first came out as a thing. <laughs> <laughs> so for it to be dated in 2005 was especially funny. Uh, we actually hit all of my quotes now that I look back. There's okay. the one that I want to reiterate because oh, I think good. it's probably the most important piece that we could have talked about all uh, podcast long. Okay. Which is Jim to Roy, what's in the bag? <laughs> that was so funny. I really do want to know. I actually started observing the shape of it, and it kind of, it almost looked like there was like maybe a ream of paper in there, yeah. but it didn't look heavy enough. So it kind of looked like Roy was stealing office supplies. It looked like manila folders to me, or like something oh, in manila folders. Yeah. Like a shape of that. Hmm. Yeah, we need to investigate, obviously. <laughs> <laughs> well, I think we could probably gloat about the office for another hour or two. Uh, but for my sake, we won't. Because <laughs> yeah, you got to do the editing. Yeah, it's painful. Uh, but, and also, I guess there's, I think you could look back at like three of our podcasts, and I think we've already gloated about the office for about an hour's worth of time. <laughs> yeah, oh yeah, cumulatively, sure. Yeah. We'll sprinkle uh, it into future episodes. <laughs> so I guess we will leave you uh, to ponder what's in the bag. Uh, and, and if you know, please let us know. Pilots the podcast <laughs> at gmail.com. Right. If you've uh, probably seen some subreddits or contributed <laughs> many to many subreddits. Uh, if people love our podcast, shmi, um, <laughs> where can they find us? Uh, Pilotsthepodcast.com. Uh, and if they want to send us... Hate mail or regular mail, even. Somebody might even want to say something nice to us now Asshole, that we've been doing this a while. <laughs> Thanks, Mom. Um, <laughs> we might uh, take some nice mail, too. Because yeah, now that, that all we've gotten is hate mail on my request, thank you very much, everybody, for your support. Uh, it's good, Tyler Mervin. <laughs> it was like hate words, but still yeah. lovely language. Lovely language. He, I saw him yesterday, and he talked to me about that, and he said, you knew it was me, right? I was like, of course I knew it was you. <laughs> How would we not know? That was like, even it, though it said from Anonymous, like, Tyler Mervin is, like, not a very good pseudonym. At least ours is, like, kind of secretive. <laughs> he told me uh, 
once. He said, maybe it's little brother syndrome. He said, but I listened to you guys talking. Feel like you're in the room with me talking to me and then really want to be uh, a part of it. Oh. So I appreciated that. So maybe too. maybe our biggest fan, which is yeah. awesome. Um, and... Oh, I guess that was it. I was just thinking of all the places they could contact us. We've done that. Uh, yeah. And you could find our podcast anywhere that podcasts are listened to a bowl, yeah. including wherever you're listening to it right now. Probably just do more of what you're already doing because it seems <laughs> to be working. <laughs> Hit that subscribe button, though, so you get a notification when we get a new episode. And then you can ignore my It's Tuesday posts. <laughs> oh, and share it. Like, if you're looking at these on Facebook, you could share yeah. these to your nerd groups and fan pages all across the internet. We would sure appreciate that. That'd be swell. <laughs> well, I think, I mean, if, unless you don't know what we're going to watch next week, uh, oh, maybe coming know. up with homework or independent milestones, if you prefer that. Yeah, what are we going to watch? Uh, well, we made sci-fi off limits for at least one more episode since we did three in a row. <laughs> <laughs> Too many spaceships. A lot of spaceships. Not that I have any. Not that there's anything wrong with that. <laughs> no, we just have you know millions of listeners who have a very diverse uh, interests. Uh, no, did we decide what we were going to do next already? I felt like we did. I don't know that we did. We talked Something about a couple options. We mentioned Arrested Development. We did re- mention Arrested Development. And then I just mentioned it again. Yeah. Maybe it's an easy, it's an easy view. Yeah. All right. Sounds like we're going to do Arrested Development next week. Arrested Development. It kind of feels like one lends well to another, so. It does, but that's how we got in the spaceship trap. That's true. Well, going forward, after that, maybe we should, like, put them all in a fishbowl and then draw that way it's kind of random. And then, you know, if we don't like it, we just put it back and draw again. Yeah, (laughs) right. And then you can cut that part out. Yeah, you don't have to know that we weren't ready for it yet. (laughs) (laughs) We're just too moody for it. There are times, yeah, for sure. All right, well, let's take off. I'm Riker. And I'm Shmi. And this is Pilot. Pilot.